When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Mini Break, your date podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Wednesday, August 2nd. Felt like moving day on the WTA and ATP tours. A five-event week, so many matches for tennis fans to follow. Yet this was the day where we saw A, countless top seeds across the globe kick off their week's campaign, or B, C, those young ascending players try to knock off a top seed, try to make a push towards a championship weekend in the pro tennis world. What do all of those things mean? It means it was a really fun 24 hours for everyone to enjoy. And of course, on today's podcast, what I want to do, as we always do here for all of you listeners, is recap all the action from across the globe. I do want to focus a little more at the start on Kitzbühel, that ATP 250 event, played all eight of the round of 16 singles matches today. I had the opportunity to be on the broadcast for two of them, Pedro Cashin's straight set victory over Albert Ramos Vinolas, as well as Dominic Teams, come from behind victory over Zheng Zhizhen. Feel like we haven't talked much about Kitzbühel this week, so this will be the day where I play catch up on that event. Now, we had rain wiping out just about all the day's action in Prague, Los Cabos, just on a weird cycle in terms of when I'm recording for this podcast. So I'll actually be recapping Tuesday's Los Cabos matches here on Wednesday's show. But everywhere else, we're up to date. Again, Kitzbühel, Prague, obviously Washington, D.C., the home of our two ATP WTA 500 level events this week and an event that's seeing right now Americans thrive on home soil. This is foreshadowing of what's to come during this North American hardcourt summer might be very fun times for American tennis fans as players like Goff, Fritz, Tiafo, Wolf, Pagula, Keys. I can go on and on and on. A lot of exciting names in action for American tennis fans and a lot of them experiencing success at least thus far early in the week. So again, what I want to do on today's show, play catch up for all of you tennis fans who might have missed out on anything that's happened over the last 24 hours in the tennis world. Of course, the reason we're able to do that day in, day out is because of the support we get from all of you. And as always, I'll ask, like, rate, subscribe, review, share with your friends. It really does help us when you take those 30 seconds, a minute, however long it takes you to craft that statement, actually leave a review on Apple Podcasts app, the Apple Podcast app. That's how you say that in English. I don't know why, but it helps us with the machines. It helps us with the algorithms. It helps us with the sponsors. So 
I know I already ask so much of you listeners in tuning in day in, day out to my voice, but if you do have the time, please do go leave a review. Make it five stars. Why else take the time to leave it there just to diss us? I mean, I appreciate the passion, but come on, make it five stars. We want to hear your thoughts. Of course, you can always reach out on social media as well, at Crack Rackets, at AL Gruskin, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Threads, you name it. We're probably there. Of course, a shout out as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point for their support of this podcast Latest equipment, best prices, one location, tennis-point.com. Use our promo code CR15 at checkout to let them know that we sent you there. With all that said, again, Wednesday felt like moving day on the ATP WTA Tour, so let's recap everything that unfolded. I'll start with that ATP event in Kitzbühel. And quick nomenclature, no, pronunciation note. I'll call it Kitzbühel. I'll call it Kitzbühel. I can't help it sometimes. I get excited, and when I do, it ends up turning into Kitzbühel instead of Kitzbühel. That happens. I do apologize to any Austrian, uh, any listeners with Austrian ties who are frustrated by my pronunciation. I'll tell you what wasn't frustrated. The tennis we saw unfold on court. Let's rapid fire through all the results. I would say most notably is Alex Molchan, the 25-year-old from Slovakia, 6-4, five love down, two fourth seeded Sebastian Ofner. Ofner seeded for the first time in his life at a tour level event. For that first time to come on home soil in Austria, for him to build a 6-4, five love lead, have two match points in Molchan's love five service game, then have two opportunities to serve for the match as well. To see that lead dissipate, to see that match, you know, to see that match not only go against you, but Ofner loses it seven six in the third to Molchan. I mean, it's twofold for Molchan. That's a season-defining victory, the sort of thing that can just turn his fortune. And for Alex Molchan, who was ranked as high as 38 in the world in May of last season, he's fallen outside the top 100. The 25-year-old currently 120 in the rankings. He had lost five consecutive coming into this week, albeit two of them. Uh, consecutive losses to Sasha Zverev. By the way, three of his last six losses have been to Sasha Zverev. How does he keep drawing Sasha Zverev? That is a tough matchup for any lefty, particularly one without an overwhelming weapon. But Molchan writes the ship here in reaching the quarterfinals in Kitzbühel. It's his first tour-level quarterfinal result uh, since Banya Luka back in April. You look for him now overall in his career. Molchan into his seventh tour-level quarterfinal. By the way, 5-1 and one in his first six, four of them coming last season. Six of those seven career tour-level quarterfinals coming uh, on clay courts. This is the surface where he has the most time. This is the surface where perhaps, you know, he's, what, 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, his size is less disadvantageous on this surface when things are slower. You know, it's about the speed, the heavier ball, the precision, the variety. Molchan can do all of those different things. Obviously, on a faster surface, he doesn't have that overwhelming weapon, but we're on the clay here in Kitzbühel, and he makes the most... I mean, again, I don't think Ofner played poorly in set number three. He definitely got a little tight. The forehand definitely started sitting short. Molchan picked that that side eventually, that entire, that wing apart, Again, a devastating loss for Seb Ofner, uh, who, by the way, for what it's worth, Ofner did come into the week uh, ranked, what I believe, for at a new career high. No, 52 is his career high, which he reached a couple of weeks ago. 61 right now in the rankings. 
Yes, he's lost three straight now. Rude in the quarterfinals of Bostad. Popper and Umag now first round here for him and Kitzbühel. It's not a bad loss uh, considering the context and considering the push Ofner had been on of late. I guess it's a bad loss considering the form of the two relative to one another. but And it's a bad loss because you were 6-4-5, love two match points up. But I prefer to be glass half full. And again, for that, it's just a win Mulchan desperately needed. Uh, and again, there's a huge difference between being top 100 and being number 120, where, or outside the top 120, where he was to enter the week now with this victory. Back up to number 112. He wins one more match here in Kitzbühel. He'll jump back into the top 100, all the way up to number 95, at least for the moment. And, you know, I know the U.S. Open main draw acceptance qualifying period has already passed but again it just makes especially given what we have left on the calendar a lot of hard court matches a lot of indoor matches it's just essential uh to get back in the top 100 to give yourself a chance to play those tour level events as opposed to uh although maybe given the surface he will just go play challenger level events anyways because at the right challenger event you can get plenty of points provided as well nevertheless that was your most dramatic result of the day. 6-4, 5 love, 2 match points down. Mulchan comes all the way back. 7-6 in the third. That ain't too shabby uh, for the 25-year-old. Second most notable result of the day. How about Dominic Team? He was awful in the first set of his match today against Zheng Zhizhen. And by the way, the 26-year-old from China, Chris Otto brought it to my attention. He really might be the first man from China, not only to crack the top 100 of the singles rankings, but he might become the first man to crack the top 50 as well, just outside there right now. Really one quarterfinal away or one one multi-win tournament away from making that top 50 push. But man, the Dominic team need this sort of run, need to get to a quarterfinal here, particularly on home soil. It's his first quarterfinal since Munich back in April. He's now, what, 31-30 and 30 over his last 52 weeks, 16-22 and 22 overall on the season. He was awful in set number one. Gets broken in his opening two service games to go down a very quick four love. Loses the first set 6-2 in 23 minutes. Three double faults, five forehand unforced errors in those two opening breaks. Everything was spraying. Everything was awful. It's the sort of set that you play where back in the days I would joke with my buddies, like, I'm going to take off these clothes. We're going to set a bonfire. I'm going to light them on fire, or we're going to bury them in the backyard, and we're never going to speak of this moment again. That's how bad the set was for Dominic team. But, man, credit to him. He was a different player. In set number three, a completely different guy who still had his legs under him in the third set. And credit to, you know, it is worth noting Zheng Zhizhen, the semifinal run last week in Hamburg. You have to wonder how much gas he had left in the tank. But for a Dominic team who had lost six of his last eight matches, who again hadn't made a quarterfinal nor won multiple matches in a single tournament since end of April, start of May, start of May if you want to include the challenger level, it's a massive moment for Dominic Team to get to this quarterfinal on home soil, back up to number 116 in the live rankings. Needs to win a couple more matches to make a top 100 push this week, get to at least the final to do so. But again, the bat, he couldn't make a forehand return in set number one. He couldn't make a plus one forehand in set number one. 
And then he looks like Dominic team of old in sets two and three. The first serve started landing good, particularly the slice T to set up the inside out forehand on the ad side. I thought team played, again, Jung Zhen did not play poorly, although he did lose his legs at the end of the set. But team just, the crowd, it's a great crowd in Kitzbühel. They woke him up and his game woke up as well again. Big result for team through to the quarterfinals. Now he's going to face Arthur Rinderknecht. Rinderknecht on a seven-match win streak. Wins the challenger last week in Zug in on clay. Now uh, through six and three over Yannick Hanfman to reach the quarterfinals here in Kitzbühel. Rinderknecht was in danger of falling outside the top 100. That will no longer be the case. Back up to number 66 in the live rankings is the 28-year-old. And, you know, again, indoor hard court. Indoor and hard court, that's what we have left on the calendar. That's where Arthur Rinderknecht has thrived throughout the course of his career. Worth noting now, here in 2023, 19 and 20 overall speaks to the fact he was struggling before ripping off this seven-match win streak. He's into just his second tour-level quarterfinal of the season, both of them coming now in the past month. Worth noting, tour-level quarterfinals in his career for Arthur Rinderknecht. First on clay since he did it in Kitzbühel back in 2021. And interesting, that was the Olympic stretch. All the top players in the world were playing the Olympics. Rinderknecht was not. During that stretch, he made quarterfinals in Lyon, excuse me, in Bostad, Stad, and Kitzbühel. Back to his roots. This is how he made the top 100 push. Again, big victory for him to advance today, knocking out Hanfman 6-3. and three. Unbroken on serve was the 28-year-old Rinder Kanesh, former Texas A&M All-American. Other matches, we'll blitz through these ones quickly because, again, this is going to be a shorter pod. Trying to be more curt. Again, unless we have a guest to deep dive with or unless there's a particularly compelling storyline or player I want to do a deep dive on, I'm going to try and be more efficient with my word allocation here on these podcasts. Maybe it's just being in Tennis Channel. You see the professionals. You want to emulate them as much as possible, even though we know we're better than all those things, right? Here at Cracked Rackets. Couldn't couldn't hold it in. I tried. I couldn't. Anyways, Echeverry 2-2 two two over Andrazi. Argentinian had struggled since making the quarterfinals at the French Open. Back on clay. Back in the right result. Big win for Daniel Gallian, the Colombian. 7-6 in the third. 10-8 in the breaker. He knocks out the rising 24-year-old German Daniel Altmaier. You look for the 27-year-old for Colombia. Currently sitting at 76 in the live rankings. Makes the quarterfinal And making, excuse me, the quarterfinals here this week into his first tour-level quarterfinal of the season and into his sixth tour-level quarterfinal of his career. Four of those six coming on clay courts. You see his kick-serve forehand combination there, the real deal. Yelena Echeverri, uh, it's 1-1 in the career head-to-head, though, for what it's worth. Sebi Baez continues his strong week, 1-2 over Carbeas Baena. Yeah, if you don't have a big weapon to hurt him, Sebi Baez is going to kill you on the surface. Baez Bolchan's just going to be... A fun one. And then two guys who've got the big mo right now. Momentum on their side. Laszlo Jura, finalist last week in Hamburg. He's going to take on Stad champion Pedro Cachin. Cachin knocking off the guy he beat in the Stad final. Albert Ramos, Vino lost 7-5-6-3. Cachin's ability to hold the baseline, man. I like his forehand. It's 1990s-esque, a little Eastern in the grip, but it's enjoyable. That said, as we predicted before the week, wide open event. Echeverry Gayan, 
Mulchan, Baez, Yura, Kashin, Team Rinder Kanesh. Right now, Echeverry, 22% chance of winning the event. He's the favorite according to the Tennis Abstract singles forecast, but just about everyone has over, and everyone has, else has about an 8 to 12% chance of winning, other than Daniel Galeon, who, again, is Echeverry's quarterfinal opponent. That said, Hopefully now you feel up to date on everything happening in what is, I believe, our final tour-level clay court event of the season in Kitzbühel. With that said, let's move over to the hard courts now, and we'll be quick with our first-round assessment of what we saw unfold in Los Cabos. I don't think there's any particularly notable upset to date. Maybe Borna Gojo over Christian Green, the former Wake Forest All-American NCAA singles finalist, who, by the way, is on the precipice of making a top 100 debut Gojo, knocking out the, I would say, better credentialed, uh, better pedigreed uh, Christian Green, 6'3 in the third. Gojo 46 and 26 over his last 52 weeks. Of course, the majority of that at the challenger level where he's made three different finals, eight different quarterfinals. When was the last time? He got a tour-level victory. I'm glad you asked. His last tour-level victory coming in United Cup to start the season. But this was the first main draw tour-level victory, United Cup aside, for Borna Gojo. Made the most of that weird cutoff in this Los Cabos draw. First career tour-level victory. We see a Borna. Shout out to him. Plays the ball a little close to his body, but no one has ever... Like, for my taste, it's just a little weird... But no one has ever denied the ball striking and power of Borna Gojo. It's not like in-your-face weapon, but it's pure. It's very, very pure. One could argue that's the biggest victory of his career. Again, first tour-level first-round victory. Shout-out to the former Wake Forest All-American. Shout-out to former University of Michigan standout Jason Jung, making one final push here in his career. Jung, 6-2 in the third over Ernesto Escobedo. Isner beat Hijikata, Heisbrauer over Diallo, 6-2 in the third. Again, that was a winnable match for Diallo, but the lefty Brower is just tricky. Nicolas Yari threw 3-1. Ivashka, Demonauer, both winners. Kofor over Tomas Barrios Vera. Good to see the German, former Tulane All-American and number one player in the country. I, I think I said this on a broadcast. I don't know if I've said it here. Tom Kofor has been really good. Of late, Kofor now over his last 52 weeks, 40 and 15 across levels. He's made the finals at a challenger on six different occasions in the past year, three different challenger titles during that stretch. I don't care what level you do it at, 40 and 15 across levels. Quarter finalist in Atlanta last week, now a win here over Burrios Vera in a very winnable match against Duckworth in round number two to advance to another quarterfinal. Shout out to my guy, Alexander Kovacevic, as well. Two and five in a match. I thought he was going to win, and certainly he does. So over Omni Kumar Kova, 131 in the world, reached 101 earlier in the year. But now he's back on the hard courts, the surface. He's had his most success, the serve, the forehand, the mind. I think Kova's going to have a big final third-year push, particularly after a disappointing middle third. He's the sort of guy who he's not leaving the gas tank on empty to end the year. I promise you, if if healthy, he's going to beat someone good down the season's home stretch. That said, that's your Los Cabos update. And again, I'm 24 hours behind in Los Cabos always. You look at today's schedule, Tommy Paul, Cam Nori, Stefano Tsitsipas, your top three seeds, all in action 
Demon Hour already through to the quarterfinals, actually, as of me recording this. But Chorich, Yari, Kopfer, Ivashka, they're either all live on court right now or will be playing later today. Tommy takes the first set. Kopfer up a set in 4-2 on the Duck, James Duckworth. So we'll get back to Los Cabos. Maybe that'll be the lead tomorrow. I'll spend extra time watching all the top seeds in action tonight, and that will be our first topic to lead tomorrow's show. I mentioned Prague primarily rained out just to quickly blitz through the minimal results we did see uh, in Prague on the day. For those of you curious, our final first round match did get completed before the rain. Um, who competed in that final first round match? I'm blanking on who it was. It was Lucky Loser and Kita Reina knocks out, knocks out Barbara Strisova 6-4 in the third. Your other two results, Katarina Bandel, 5-love. She was leading Julie Niemeyer. Niemeyer forced to retire. And then Jacqueline Christian. Opened up the draw with a win over top seed Marie Boschkova in round number one. Gets her fifth victory, just her fifth, in the last 52 weeks. Sends her to a quarterfinal, though, as she knocks out the qualifier. Amaliana Arango, 4-3. and three. I said earlier in the week on this show, in winning that first-round match, she created a massive opportunity for herself this week to steady the ship. That's precisely what Christian has done in winning over Arango, 4-3 and three into the quarterfinals, where she will face Katarina Bando, who, by the way, she has a 1-0 career head-to-head advantage over. That said, six round of 16 matches on the schedule in Prague tomorrow as they play catch-up following the rain. That will be one of our leading topics as well as we get into tomorrow's show. But we got to focus still on Wednesday. So with that in mind, let's get to our final but perhaps most enjoyable topic. And that, of course, is the action in Washington Nothing particularly shocking on the women's side. In fact, it looks like everything is going to go straight sets. Uh, Belinda Bencic, 17th 500-level victory of the season. That's the most of any player on the WTA Tour. Now, that's a really specific stat, but 1-4 for Bencic over Lauren Davis. She's sitting at 14th right now in the rankings, 10th in the points race, top 10 in ELO rating, top 10 in hold percentage. I, do I have to continue my fixation with Belinda Bencic, or do most of you listeners already understand my belief in her game. Have you heard me and D- David Kane argue about her enough that you don't need the Belinda Bencic rant right now? I love. I just her ability to catch the ball early on the rise, her ability to beat you to the spot. I know it's it's not like in your face blistering power, but it's line drive tennis at its finest, and there are few people who strike the ball as purely for whatever that arbitrary context means. It just feels like she hits the center of the racket, that the contact point is beautiful, how she beats you to the spot early on the rise. It's traditional tennis, um, dare you say, like what you saw in the 80s and the 90s versus just, again, the unapologetic and exceptional athleticism of players like Iga, like Sabalenka, obviously like the Williams sisters brought to the table as well. I don't know, something about Belinda Bencic, it's just a little different. I've always enjoyed it. She's heating up here again, dominant in a straight set victory. Alina Svitolina, 8-0 now in her career against Daria Kasakina. She's won 16 of 18 sets as well, 2-2. Two and two. Uh, You look for Svitolina, she is already all the way back up to number 27 in the live rankings, maybe even more impressively, 20th in the points race. And by the way, the gap between her and 8th place, Karolina Muhova, fewer than 600 points. We got a lot of tennis left on the table. Alina Svitolina making a year-end finals would just be something. Defending champion Ludmilla Samsonova, 1-3 over Serana Kirstea. 
she's just back this week. She's striking the ball so beautifully. Back on, obviously, a natural surface. She has her feet back under her. The movement, get you know, just her having more rhythm, having more time. No one's ever doubted the ability of Ludmilla Sampsonova to strike the ball beautifully. Uh, again, she's got caddying privileges at Serena Williams Power Tennis Country Club. She can come hang out, but you need that major title for full induction. Coco cruised one and four over the talented Haley Baptiste. But again, unless you're elite, like elite, elite at something, or you're eager, sh- or you just have the perfect, or you have, yeah, unless you're elite at something, or you have an elite weapon to attack Coco Golf's forehand with repeatedly, can consistently, you're just not going to beat her. Again, she has beaten everyone she is supposed to defeat this season. One in four, she knocks out fellow American uh, Haley Baptiste in the round of 16. You look for Coco Goff now this season. Again, the losses have been expected in the sense of, you know, again, losses to Iga uh, at the French, losses to, what, Sabalenka at Indian Wells, Iga in Dubai, had her chance against Ostapenko, but knocked out there. Still, she's 28 and 12 overall in the season. And you look for her against opponents ranked outside the top 20. She's 25 and 7. Two of those losses are to pot. And who are the law? I should say outside the top 50. She's 20 and 1 this year, with the one loss being to Sonia Kennan. 25 and 7 against opponents ranked outside the top 20. But those losses are to Kennan, Keys, Alexandrova on grass, Boshkova, Bedosa, and Potapova twice. And by the way, she won her first 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 14, 15 matches against opponents ranked outside the top 20 this season. She beats who she, again, the hardest part in tennis is consolidating your spot, is beating who you're supposed to beat day in, day out, at least perceived to supposed to beat. And Coco Goff always does that. And I mean, again, she just turned 19. She's seven in the world right now or excuse me, nine in the points race and trailing Muhova by 50, nope, 64 points. She'll pass Muhova if she wins uh, and advances to the round of 16. Uh, did I not refresh this? She has passed. She's currently in eighth place, and she has passed uh, Carolina Muhova by making the quarterfinals here in D.C. By the way, Bencic, 40 points behind Muhova. If she wins and Coco Goff loses, Bencic will overtake Goff and become uh, find herself in eighth place in the year-end finals race. Again, eighth in the year-end finals race is Coco Goff, and we're calling that a disappointing season for a 19-year-old. I'm not saying we are. I'm saying if you are, you are sadly mistaken because that is anything but disappointing. And speaking of anything but disappointing, I made this point yesterday. I'll make it again today. Madison Keys is having a really, really good season. And she looks like she's about to knock out Jennifer Brady. 6-4-5 love lead for the seventh-seeded American. Should she advance to the quarterfinals, up next for Madison Keys would be a date with the winner of Maria Sakari and Layla Fernandez. And by the way, tomorrow you get Pagula Stearns, Sakari Fernandez, Kostya Garcia. I mean, those are three really good round of 16 matches to sneak into Thursday's schedule. That said, that's right. And by the way, tomorrow you get Pagula's debut, Garcia's debut, Sakari's debut in the tournament. They're not playing till Thursday. They'll have to play three, uh, four straight days to end the week, then head right into Toronto, then head right into Canada. I love the DC, uh, right into Cincinnati. I love the DC event. 
I don't really understand that scheduling. That one's a little weird for me. A tough shake, I guess, for Pagula. You are the top seed. You did get a bunch of days off, but I'm sure she would have preferred the Wednesday start just to make life a little bit easier. Nevertheless, these are elite athletes. I'm sure all of these players will be fine. That's where things stand after the day on the women's side in Washington. On the men's side... Struggles continue for Felix Ogier Ali Asim. Now on the other side, Yasuke Watanuki is 24 and 8 at the challenger level over his last year. He's made he's won two titles, made three finals and five semifinals at that level. Now, this is the biggest win he's ever had at the tour level. This is uh the highest ranked victory he's ever earned. And for a guy who just cracked the top one hundred, jumped up to number ninety-nine in the world for this victory, uh for Watanuki now up to a new career high. Number ninety-three is the twenty-five-year-old. He's former top five junior in the world. He has the size, he has weapons, he has the creativity. As Tracy Austin on second serve pointed out repeatedly today, his volleys are still a work in progress, but he puts himself in a position to have the put-away volley very, very frequently. And, you know, again, 6-6 six and six over Felix today. That's good stuff for Watanuki. Now, obviously, on the flip side, you look for Felix, who has now lost, I believe, uh, Seven of his last eight matches, eight of his last ten matches. He hasn't made a quarter. Well, he made a quarterfinal in Lyon, but has you know again he's been he's dealt with so many different injuries this year. It's just hard to assess the twenty-two year old season because it has been so start and stop, and obviously a massive stretch coming up for him in Canada, his home event, and then Cincinnati right after. It's hard to judge him. Just again, he's played three matches since the start of Roland Garros. He lost first round Roland Garros, first round Wimbledon, now first round loss here, six and six to Wantanuki. I he's one. Of, I think him and rescue Shapovalov, who's announced he's out of Canada with injury. Who else would you put on that list of most fascinating players to watch down the season's home stretch? I don't know, but I think he certainly belongs on it as Felix because I just don't know how I feel about Felix anymore, and I think that's a bigger comfort. I mean, I I still feel confident in his game, but I don't know if I see his – like it. he's been a tier one guy for me for a really long time, a guy who I just think his serve, his forehand on the right days, they are elite. He does have the physicality to be there. But at the same time, it's just you see the development of some other players. It's the, the some of the weaknesses, or at least the fact that it's always one speed. Again, that top speed, that serve, that forehand, that first strike, front foot tennis. Felix is elite at it. When you can push him off that front foot, he's a completely different player. And to Watanuki's credit, with by taking the return on the rise today, he did exactly that. I don't know. I need more time to assess the game of Felix where I am with my thoughts on him moving forward. That said, everything else on the day pretty straightforward. The only other seeds knocked out. Bublik, 3-4 and four by Mofi. I don't know how weird that is. Thompson, 5-4 and four over Manorino. Manorino's just played so much tennis of late. Still transitioning from the grass courts here to the hard courts. Jordan Thompson's also played really well of late. And so... Uh, that that shock, particularly the scoreline, doesn't surprise me. Other winners on the day, Dan Evans, who, God, did he need that win. Um, that's actually maybe your biggest result of the day. 2-6-6-love, 6-3. Uh, after blowing the match the way he did to Alex Vukic last week, 
way to steady the ship. Dan Evans, Chris Eubanks, a straight set winner. Greek Spore, straight set winner. Umbear, 761664 over Tenassi Kokonakis. That was a really fun match. JJ Wolf in cruise control. He looks top 25 good on hard courts, maybe even better than that. One and three over Elbod. Andy Murray from, I believe, 5 2 down, 7664. He knocks out Brandon Nakashima. Those are all of the results that have concluded, but I believe there's still, nope, those are all your matches on the day, of course. No, Fritz has to play Svida, right? That match hasn't happened yet, has it? Or maybe it has, and I just didn't refresh it. Taylor Fritz, 3-3 three and three over Zachary Svida, the Atlanta champion. Off to a strong start. So, your round of 16 matches. These are fun. Fritz Murray, Eubanks Thompson, Michael Moe, JJ Wolf, JJ 3-0 in the career head-to-head, Greek Spore Monfi, Dimitrov Rusevori, Umber Watanuki, Shevchenko Evans, and Shung Tiafo. Right now, uh, Tiafo's around ahead of Fritz, but Fritz still the favorite, according to Tennis Abstract, to win the event. Uh, Francis Tiafo right behind him. That said, that's where things stand after, again, a busy Wednesday. Felt like moving day in the tennis world, so I wanted to get you listeners up to date on everything that unfolded. Of course, the reason we're able to offer these updates day in, day out is because of the relentless work ethic of our super producer, Daniel Westoff, who has a of an editing job day in, day out, making all this content possible. A shout-out to him, a shout-out as well to our dear friends at Tennis Point. Remember, tennis-point.com. The promo code is CR15 for all of the latest and greatest products in the tennis world. With all that said, though, for our fantastic super producer, Daniel Westoff, our friends at Tennis Point, from all of us here at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You know what we say. That's the break. We'll talk to you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone.